0: Welcome to episode six of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League, presented by Change Up. I'm Matt Satilli, and I am joined alongside by my co host, Owen Shadrick. Owen, pleasure to see you. How you doing today?
1: I'm good. I got a fresh beard, you got a fresh haircut, and we got a fresh new look when this podcast coming up with episode six. I'm excited.
0: Yeah, we had on Brad Smith, the GM of the New Britain Bees, and Ray Garino, the field manager. We're welcoming in the newest member of the FCBL. It was a fantastic interview. A little bit longer than uh, the player episodes, but they had some awesome things to say. So we're really excited to share it with you and kind of talk about some of the buzz surrounding the Bees in New Britain as they'll be taking the field this summer, hopefully in a couple weeks. So uh, we want to, yeah, once again, fingers crossed. We say a lot of that on here, and we hope to have an announcement for you soon. So. Unless you got anything else, Owen? Nope, let's roll. All right, sweet. Here's our interview with Ray Garino and Brad Smith of the New Britain Bees. At this time, we now welcome on two very special guests from the New Britain Bees, the newest member of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. It is Brad Smith, the team's general manager, and Ray Garino, the field manager. Brad and Ray, thank you so much for joining us today, and let us be the first to welcome you guys to the FCBL thanks thanks for
2: having us on today thanks for uh having us in the league yeah great thanks for having
3: us on it's a beautiful day in new britain ray just got off the field with the guys at a two sessions out there practicing so it's great to see them out there uh
0: playing baseball never thought i'd be so excited to see a practice (laughs) i'm sure everyone's been uh creating some baseball lately and the name of this podcast is Back to the Futures. We've had on five players so far. You guys are the first executives and coaches and also the first people who aren't coming back to the futures. So first year experience. And uh, like you said, we're really excited at the prospect of playing ball. But um, first off, how have you guys been keeping busy the last couple months and uh, now kind of transitioning into seeing the team and you know getting a chance to talk to the players?
3: I never really stopped coming into the stadium. I've been the uh, one staff member who's been coming in. So it's for the last, what was it, two or three months now, you know, I've been busy just getting in touch with our sponsors, our season ticket holders, you know, just show them, tell them that, you know, we're preparing to play baseball here. So as soon as we get everything finalized, you know, we want them back in the fold. So it's, it's been one of those hurry up and wait. And so hopefully within the next week or so, we can have certainty for everybody. And then we'll have to cram about six months of work into two weeks, but
2: we'll be ready in addition to to coaching the bees I, I teach in new haven so my last day of school is actually tomorrow so i've been uh, i've been busy since since march doing the uh the distance teaching which has really uh you know it was okay for the first two or three weeks and now it's uh it's a grind now to to really do these lessons uh you know uh, to be honest I, I i'm done with it and i know I know the students are, are basically they've had enough of it too. You know, it's just completely different mindset doing lessons online than it is uh, in person. So I, uh, I'll, I'll be happy to be back in the classroom, hopefully in the fall.
1: From a teaching perspective, can you just what was that like to have to transition your students? Because you said it was seventh grade. So that that must have been a hard transition.
2: I think it was harder for me. Um, you know, these kids, uh, I think they come out of the womb, uh, knowing technology and knowing how to, how to do everything. Um, I'm not very tech savvy. So, uh, for me, it was a little bit different, but, but for these kids, it was, it was like second nature, you know, it, uh, the lessons lesson wise, it was, uh, it was a little different, but a lot of, a lot of the zoom lessons, a lot of zoom communication, a lot of, a lot of phone calls, more phone calls than I wanted to have with. With students, uh, you know, I think uh, I think education is education, and and whatever you're going to do, whether you're in a classroom setting or if it's distance teaching over over a Zoom lesson, you know, uh, kids are going to learn, uh, you know, at their own at their own pace, but they're still going to still going to learn. But you know, it's big big adjustment. Um, I think it's a big adjustment more so for for the teachers than it is the students.
1: Yeah, understandable. And a lot of my teachers I know at, at UMass were very kind of like you said, not as tech savvy, but ended up figuring it out in the end.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, just being able to to learn on the fly has really um, tested my patience at, at certain times. But, um, you know, I think I to be honest, I think I'm a better teacher for having to go through it. You know, it, it, it almost it almost forced me to to learn technology and be able to do it you know i mean there's no guarantee that
0: we're back in the classroom in september anyway sure and in terms of this podcast it's been great for us to communicate and everyone's familiar with zoom now so we're yeah living in a different reality but uh you know it's it's been helpful in some ways but i'm sure a challenge in many other capacities for sure yeah it's uh it's
3: amazing like i don't know how we have lived without zoom all these i mean i love these so much better than a conference call like it's always been there i just never used it it's as these are much better than the old, I guess it's old fashioned now.
1: Transitioning back to baseball. You touched on it earlier. You guys just f- conducted your first practice. How did it feel to finally be out with the team and get all the guys together for the first time?
2: You know, this is, I think our fourth, maybe our fifth workout. We've been going half squad just so we can keep those, uh, keep everybody happy with the six foot distance and and not cramming everybody. But um you know we just had uh, group 1 today was a, a little bit larger group than group 2 um but just just to be on the baseball field and and participating in baseball activities has been awesome you know i mean all of these guys even me you know as as a as a college coach um having that season taken away from us uh, we're all we're all chomping at the bit to get back out there put the uniform back on and and be able to compete against against somebody in another uniform um so these guys, practice has been great. Uh, really, really intense. Not intense, but high energy levels. Guys just bouncing around really, uh, you know, like they're nine years old again, playing for the first time, like they're in Little League, you know, just, you know, really having a good time. Just, I think a lot of them uh, realize that uh, at any point, you know, life can uh, throw you a curve and, and, and take things away from you. And baseball is taken away from them, granted. Hopefully it's going to be given back to them, but, uh, you know, we can't take things for granted. And, and these guys, I think they realize how important it is.
3: Yeah. the uh, I'm more on the business side of things, but the uh, the first two or three practices, yeah, I'm a baseball fan. And I found myself watching four and a half hours of baseball practice. So that's, that's how much I realized I missed it, you know? So it's just, you know, especially the first time uh, the guys got out there, I'll be the first to admit, I actually got a little emotional just seeing guys on a baseball field, you know, it was like,
0: as Ray was just saying, you really realize uh, how much you miss it. It's been great just to watch them. And I know that you guys touched on your own excitement and Ray, you know, you mentioned those guys bouncing around like they're nine years old again in Little League. Do you feel like that's really a byproduct of missing out on their senior season? If that's the case, if they're returning and getting back into action for the first time in a couple months, you know? Did it seem like some of the guys were a little bit rusty or does it seem like most of them have been really committed to trying to replicate their training regimen as good as possible and are just, you know, extremely excited at the fact that they're back on the diamond? Yeah, I think it's a little bit of both, to be honest. I think, uh, I think they are really excited to be
2: back on the field. You know, um, a lot of these guys, you know, most of them are, are Connecticut guys. Um, You know, we have a, a, a handful of them that, that kind of grew up together, uh, knowing each other. But for the most part, you know, knowing of somebody, but not knowing, not really knowing somebody. And, and oh, yeah, I, you know, I played against you. I know who you are. But but making new friends and, and um, getting out there. You know, yesterday was our first day. We, we uh, saw live pitching yesterday. And you could really see uh, the pitchers had the advantage yesterday, um, you know, which was to be expected. Uh, But definitely, uh, you know, I think that will balance out the more we see live pitching for sure.
0: Right, and what do you feel like your mentality is going to be in terms of managing these arms and making sure that they're getting back to a level of comfort and not just rushing kids back in? A lot of the pitchers we've talked to, both uh, Angelo Baez and Nick Sinicola, they both mentioned that they want to be a little cautious and that summer ball ultimately is a chance to prepare them to get back into live action when they return to their college team. So, you know, how do you feel you're going to deal with managing with this situation that really is you know unique and that none of us have dealt with before yeah I think I think uh, a head coach's hardest job is is managing
2: arms in the bullpen Um, you know managing the bullpen at a high school level or an American Legion level where you only have five or six guys and you have some two-way guys that can get up there for an inning and just throw strikes but now you have pitchers only that are relying on getting their work in but you know, you you definitely have to be cautious, especially now with with the time they've they've had off. Um, you know, it's one thing to to get out there and do long toss and and have a bullpen session, but once once the lights are on and and you're against somebody else, that adrenaline kicks in and and now you're trying to push it a little bit, and, and unfortunately, that's usually when injury does happen. Um, you know, uh, I don't want to hold anybody back. I want them to go full full tilt, but uh, you know, in the same breath, you still have to be really careful it, with the time that they have, have had off, it, you know, it's really important not to, not to push somebody. And I think, I think that these guys, you know, are, are smart enough and they know their bodies well enough that if they think something's wrong or, or if they feel something isn't right, they're gonna, they're gonna let us know and, and we'll be able to shut them down and, and reassess you know tomorrow and, and see see what happens.
0: Sure and uh, you talk about the next step in terms of preparing these guys whether it be a split squad scrimmage or perhaps a scrimmage against another team. Brad from a logistics perspective and then Ray from a play perspective how do you feel like you take that step and you know while still abiding by social distancing rules and coordinating with teams from other locations how do you guys make sure that you know, your team is in the best position when they do take the diamonds, if that is the case this summer, potentially in three or four weeks.
3: That's, uh, it's going to be pretty seamless for us. You know, that's, we've, we work very closely with the mayor of New Britain and the health department here. So we have a great relation. We invite them out, watch our workouts. So, you know, this is a lot easier than say the professional level, like even when we were the Atlantic League, you know, these guys, they come in their cars, they park at the back gate. We take their temperature when they come in, they sanitize their hands, they go on the field, they play baseball, they leave. So the guys are in a very, very safe environment. And we've, since we've been uh, putting some of the workout videos online, we've already had four or five local uh, twilight leagues. There's another collegiate league in Connecticut reaching out to us. People are – wanna wanna play some games against us really badly. So basically Ray has his choice of inner squad, who he wanna schedule. So we, we think we can do that all in a very safe manner.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean I, I really don't don't know all the guidelines just yet. Um you know
3: uh That's what we're here for, Ray, to keep you in check.
2: I appreciate that somebody has to. Um, you know, I mean I, I think uh I think everybody's really just really cautious about how they're how they're conducting their day-to-day lives right now and everybody you know I mean it's been been two months now and I think I think it's just it's the new normal you know it's just this is how things are done you know you you wear your mask uh you wear I mean I see people with with gloves on I I I don't know if I'll ever get used to it but um you know I think uh it's just the way things are going to be maybe not forever but for the near future, for sure, um, and it's just a, a matter of of doing it, and, and and not so much for us individually, but for each other. I mean, if if somebody has symptoms and and they're not wearing a mask, then they have they've taken a chance of getting an entire team sick. Um, and, you know, and and that's that could be unfortunate because you know uh, it looks like our season will start in in you know hopefully July first, but do we really want to take that chance to to jeopardize the entire thing um, just by, just from somebody being careless? You know, that, that wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to me.
3: Yeah. And we're really too, we're, we're trying to basically keep the guys on the field. I mean, we feel they're, I mean, obviously very safe on the field in an outside environment. We're being very cautious. The most important thing, Obviously, their safety is, but baseball-wise, these kids just want to play ball. So we're taking away all the frills and all the extras. It's just get out there and play and go home and
1: stay safe. Before we get back to our interview with Ray Garino and Brad Smith, we wanted to share a message from one of our sponsors, ChangeUp. We're excited to announce a brand-new partnership this season with ChangeUp, a cutting-edge, player-centric pitch-tracking solution promoting health and safety, allowing coaches to capture and analyze a proprietary set of performance analytics and helping pitchers maximize their potentials. Coming to baseball programs around the world this year, ChangeUp eliminates the administrative overhead associated with adhering to pitch count regulations, allowing coaches to focus on baseball. Coaches and parents at all levels, Little League, AAU, high school, and the collegiate level take notice. ChangeUp is the clear choice to ensure your pitchers aren't being thrown too much or too often and are getting proper rest. Together, we can make this great game even better by protecting arms and ensuring compliance with pitching guidelines. For more information, visit ChangeUp's website, www.changeup.io. That's www.change-up.io. ChangeUp. Every pitch counts. We now return to our interview with Brad Smith and Ray Garino. What restrictions have you put upon your team in terms of like traveling and stuff like that? Because I know that a big part of returning for the big leagues like the NBA has been travel restrictions and you know, not leaving the bubble. Have you told, have you made a bubble for your players or has it kind of been don't like touch anybody or.
3: Yeah. I mean, that's basically what we're going with the, uh, we're probably, we're not going to open the clubhouses this year. We're not going to be traveling on buses. So it's, you know, the kids are going to be getting themselves to the game with their parents. So it's basically come to the ballpark and go home. And so that's, that's their bubble. So we, that one of the, We can really pull this thing off in the Futures League is just because our model we have, you know, the exposure for the kids is a lot less than the professional levels. We don't have hotels. We don't have planes. We don't have buses. Kids are coming on the field, playing a baseball game, going home in the safety of their own car. So that's that's one of the reasons we're still able to attempt to get our season off.
0: And Brad, that's interesting that you mentioned that about not taking a bus. That's just something that I kind of took for granted that we've always seen in the Futures League. Um, Have there been any limitations in terms of how you've had to reshift your roster? I know you said that a lot of the team now is primarily Connecticut-based guys, taking away the opportunity for maybe someone who you had been in touch with months ago who would have required a host family. Or on the flip side, do you feel like with the cancellation of the Cape League and the NECBL that that sparked even more attention for you guys, considering that? you know, in Connecticut, there aren't many other opportunities for kids to play ball. Our
3: original roster, we had about 15 kids who required host families. Ray's waiting list of guys contacting him, his phone's blowing up. He's got 10 guys a day calling him. So baseball wise, we were able to replace those guys with very talented individuals that, you know, Ray's very happy with. I mean, we hate those kids couldn't play for us, but that was, you know, the situation. And, um, we got a very talented roster now with some of the other leagues canceling.
1: Going off that, Brad, you were have been with the B since twenty seventeen. What motivated you to move to the FCBL after three years with the team and what was that transition like moving from the Atlantic League into the Futures League?
3: Uh it it was a real positive, um positive move going from the Atlantic League to the Futures League. New Britain's a great market. We got a great stadium here, but it's the uh the Atlantic League is the premier independent league. It's basically Triple A baseball. So with Triple A baseball, you have Triple A expenses. So in the Atlantic League, you're paying your all your players, you're paying your coaches. So it's it's very expensive to run an Atlantic League team. And so that just, you know, that model wasn't working in New Britain, but the Futures League model, I mean, it's we have a very loyal fan base, so the New Britain business numbers that we were able to maintain in the off season. Um, that makes up for a very good futures league business model. So it's the uh, new Britain couldn't just quite support an Atlantic league team, but futures league market. And with our stadium, it's fantastic. It's been great. And so it's not like we were starting from scratch. We still had all our sponsors, all our season ticket holders, which are all very good numbers for a futures league franchise.
1: How did you initially come in contact with Joe about switching leagues? Did he reach out to you, or was it more of a mutual interest?
3: Uh, that that was all done at the ownership level, so I wasn't part of any of those. I was just informed of what was happening. So that, was, that was for the guys who made the big bucks.
1: Were you, were you surprised when the owners came to you and announced the move?
3: Uh, I wasn't totally surprised about it. It was just, you know, it was the uh, – supporting Atlantic league franchise in new Britain was, you know, it was a tough road to drive. So it was, it was um, when I heard, you know, the plan was to still keep the team in new Britain in the futures league. I mean, that was, I I think we can be a great summer collegiate franchise here.
0: Well, we're really excited to have you guys on board. And uh, you know, you mentioned a lot of what I hear from you guys is it's just very refreshing to be around these college kids how awesome is it to see the prospect of you guys playing baseball, especially in spite of what we're seeing at the big league level, where you see a lot of conflict between the owners and players, and it seems like they're not really getting anywhere at the moment with a negotiation to play ball.
3: The, it's refreshing to see our kids, you know. We got kids driving an hour or more just to come practice, you know, and just, I mean, pitchers coming just to go sprint in the outfield. They just want to be cliche, but love the game. They just want to be with their teammates out on the grass running around. And so it's, you know, I hope they figure it out at the major league level, but here in the futures league, it's great to see
0: that the kids are just happy to be on the field. Now to talk to how you guys got in touch. We talked about ownership level, reaching out to Joe Pellucci, our commissioner, but Brad, how did you bring in Ray? And, you know, how exciting is it to get a chance to work with each other and, you know, serve the state of Connecticut?
2: I'm I'm the volunteer assistant coach at Yale. Um, you know, teaching in New Haven. When I was still at Southern, um, my best friend from high school was playing at Yale for Coach Stuper and um he had started a summer camp and his numbers back in 1995 were were crazy and he needed additional coaches to, to help run the the camp. Um so that was the first time I met Coach Stuper and I go back, you know, him and I have been really good friends since 95, 96. Um, and then uh, he asked me to join his staff in 2010. And, uh, you know, I've been really fortunate at Yale with um, the experiences that you have at, at an institution like Yale are are second to none. Um, the network that you have, uh, you know, it, it's it's true what they say, the people I've met just because uh, I'm affiliated with Yale Baseball, has been uh, pretty, pretty amazing. Um, the people, um, the players have been tremendous, uh, you know, but I can't thank Coach Tupper enough for getting me involved in that. Um, you know, uh, working with Brad, uh, you know, uh, going on almost three months since since I, I uh, joined the staff here, previously Ray Ricker, who was the head coach at post University in Waterbury had had this position um, but he he had a, another job lined up with the Phillies organization um, so I kind of fell into this late but it's it's been seamless it's been seamless it's been awesome um, the roster that Ricker assembled was awesome to begin with and and I would have been honored to have all of those guys you know but as Brad alluded to before with the host families and Covid and all of that—that's going on—and and having to get rid of some because we didn't have anywhere for them to stay. Um, you know, I think I think the state of Connecticut gets overlooked uh, baseball-wise because it is a small state because it's it's sandwiched between two big markets. You know, people don't realize that there's a lot of talent in this state baseball-wise. Um, you know, some of the guys that that we that we did sign kind of fell in our lap that that had not even temp but had full full roster spots in the cape or the necbl that are coming out here that that look awesome you know we're we're really really pleased with
0: what we have right now um you know i wish today was july 1st yeah i'm sure we all can attest to that yeah and you know you talk about the value of the state of connecticut so the bristol blues the previous team that represented uh connecticut are now in the necbl and you know there's a ton of baseball fandom here. You mentioned being sandwiched in between Boston and New York. And, you know, with the Whalers being the only professional franchise. I'm a Connecticut native myself. And, you know, you just see a lot of attention for that Connecticut-based baseball as you kind of see with the yard goats and what's going on there. And, you know, you guys playing in the former home of the Rock Hats. What does it mean to represent that state? And, you know, how do you provide baseball fans that access? And, you know, what does it mean to be able to serve as that, you know, that outlet? And also a ton of these kids from Connecticut who this is their one chance to play. Um,
2: I think right now, um, you know, without having the Cape, without having the NECBL, um, being only the only Connecticut franchise in the Futures League, um, I think I think we have uh, an important role to represent the state of Connecticut um, the best that we can. Put put a, a winning program on the field and and make this. You know, Greater Harford area in the state. Really proud of of what we're going to do. You know, I think I think as the season goes on, you know, with with what I've seen so far, um, you know, I'm really excited about the talent that we have. Um, you know, but it, but with everything that's going on in our country with COVID and and, and the other stuff with with uh, the racism, I think I can't I can't think of a better a better outlet than than getting back on the field and giving giving people um, you know just just the joy of being able to come watch a baseball game for two hours um, you know I if I wasn't you know personally involved I'd be I'd be looking every day to see when the season started because I'd be I'd be coming to be a fan anyway but um, you know I think I think everybody right now um, needs it you know, I think baseball's need it. you know, and if, if the futures league is, is the only game in town, um, so be it, you know, and I think, uh, I think we have a really important job to do, um, both on and off the field and, and with the guys that I have, I think, uh, I think, uh, we'll make this area really proud of, of what we're going to do.
3: Right. That seems about <laughs> just reminding, that seems like five years ago now when, uh, we had Ray Ricker out here, and it was
0: actually what four or five months ago, so that was it's, yeah. it's amazing how time has just stopped. You mentioned earlier when we were talking about your first couple practices that the pitching has been a little bit more advanced than the hitting at this point, which you said, which was as expected. but do you sort of implement any new changes into practice or kind of you know give the offensive guys special attention and just kind of make sure you're getting that coaching and motivation or? You know, how does that play into it at all?
2: You know, I think I think that's a fine line. Um, you know, I don't I don't know if, if if my job is to really coach. You know, I don't want to I don't want to. If I see something that is completely completely wrong, then you know I, I'd have a conversation with that individual. But but these guys are coming from from great programs with great coaches. Um, I'm not looking to step on anybody's toes and, and undo what, what they've been working on with somebody for two or three years. You know, I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm more of, of an outlet. And, and when they need, when they need extra reps or extra help, or, or they think something is wrong, then yeah, let me know and, and we'll have a conversation about it. But, but I, uh, I'm more as, as a sounding board, I guess, than, than I, than I am, you know, I mean, I don't want to offend anybody with with you know with all the work you know these guys you know they're spending nine ten months with their college coaches um i'm not here to to undo what what they've done on campus with their coaches there um so it really is a fine line but uh if they if they want uh, to change something then i'm all ears but i would leave that up to 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 the individual you know they're they're young adults and, and I think they know themselves better than I do. So I'll let them, them make that decision.
1: That's fantastic. And again, we're really excited for you guys to be in the league and to see all those players hit the field in a couple of months. Brad, have you seen anything specific with the team and any strengths that they've shown so far?
3: Yeah. As I said that the, uh, I played division three baseball way back in, I graduated Middlebury in 95. So I'm from the era where we didn't have personalized and you just learned how to play in the backyard. So it's, I can see talent when it's out there and we got a lot of high level guys. And so it's, you know, guys who are supposed to be in the game, where all-stars. So we got a real seasoned veteran lineup for the Futures League and it's, you know, you can tell we got some big time talent out there this year. So it's going to be exciting to watch.
1: You just mentioned yeah. your past, you obviously you played, but you've also had a, Lengthy background in baseball, Brad, I'm speaking to you specifically. Um, you were a concessions intern in 95. You were with the Kannapolis Intimidators in 2005 to the Wilmington Sharks and now to the Bees. How did you decide to pursue a career in baseball in the front office capacity?
3: Yeah. So uh, I graduated Middlebury College in 1995. Um, they have a strong alumni base there. So the owner of the Chattanooga Lookouts was Frank Burke. He owned the Lookouts. So he hired me to basically come work down there for hot dogs and just learn the business from the ground up. So he, act, he took me under his wing. So it's, I got down there, worked hard, basically had uh, every position you, you could imagine from uh, concessions intern, uh, worked my way up to assistant GM. It was, uh, so I was exposed to a lot. I helped him. Uh, we opened up a new stadium there in, I think it was 2000. The first game we hosted was Baltimore Orioles versus Cincinnati Reds. Uh, George Bush Senior. Throughout the first pitch, so it was a great learning experience. And then, so I worked there for about ten years, and then my um, then I partnered up with my father. Well, he was a very successful businessman, and we went in together. Basically, his money and my hard work is we bought the Cannapolis Intimidators. And so we uh, we bought. Not, so I was the president general manager there from. 2005 till 2015, and then um, unfortunately he passed away, and my family decided they didn't want to be in the uh, baseball business anymore. So that's when I came back up here, um, moved my family up here to be closer to my mother, who I'm originally from Rhode Island. So it's and that's the, at that point um, Frank Bolton and Mike Pfaff they brought me on board to uh, help run the Bridgeport and New Britain team, and so I've been with them since. 2017. They've been great group to work with.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that must have been awesome having you know that major league level of involvement with Cincinnati and Baltimore and George Bush Senior. And you know it seems like a lot of those experiences are really going to help pave the way for a successful first run in the Futures League.
3: Yeah, that's the. It was funny the first year we uh, owned and operated Canapolis was uh, 2005, and we thought it was easy that year. We actually we won the South Atlantic League Championship. And the White Sox won the World Series that year. And about two or three months after the White Sox World Series, we just, and my father in the mail, uh, Jerry Reinstorf, he, we just got two World Series rings mailed to us for being part of the White Sox farm system. So to show you how minor league baseball worked, we won the league championship that year. White Sox won the World Series. The next year, 2006, 140-game season, we won 38 games so <laughs> it's so it just so you learn a lot so it, it's, yep. it's been great you meet awesome. all sorts of great people
1: how often do you go out and flash that ring around
3: um not very it, it's it's too big it's it's in the safe deposit <laughs> box at the bank I'm i'm not a flashy
0: guy
2: what bank is that yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: probably a good call Reinsdorf's a name that I know we've all seen on TV especially like guys like Owen and I who maybe he's a little bit too old for us to know but with the last dance I don't know if you guys have watched that but really neat to see his experiences with both the Bulls and the White Sox and that's that's great that he was able to toss that your way
3: yeah and it was great too because the obviously um being in Kanapolis, a lot of the White Sox instructors who were in Birmingham at that time or came through they had a lot of great Jordan stories so it was you know it, to be that personally close to it and know a couple of the guys, I mean, it was, and he was, uh, he was actually, it was pretty, pretty amazing what he was able to do with the double A baseball level from basically not playing in 10 years. I mean, if you can hit, you know, 220, 230 and double A, you know, that's, that's pretty good.
0: That is, that is for sure. Uh, and now tossing it Ray's way. Um, you act as the first base coach at Yale and, you know, how do you experience that on the base paths? Do you feel like we're gonna see some of you coaching first base? Is that your plan for New Britain this summer? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go over to third for the summer here with the bees. Um, another
2: assistant, Mike Bantle, will take over first base. Last two years, we've uh, implemented a, a program, a running program at Yale, um, that one of our other assistants, Josh Schulman, uh, brought with him up from Wofford. Um, you know, we've been we've been fortunate enough to have some really, really good athletes who could really, really run. Um, but this system that that he has and and I think uh, this summer with the athletes that are on this roster, it'll be a little bit of a hybrid. Um, but, uh, you know, I just I just want to make the the opposing defense un- uncomfortable, you know, make them uncomfortable. Um make them be out of position when the ball's put in play um, guys that can go guys that can go first to third easily, but there's a couple guys that can go first to home pretty easily too on, on this roster. Um, you know, that ball gets in the gap, especially, especially out here. Um, these gaps are, are uh, they seem to, to never end. Um, so, uh, you know, unless Manny Ramirez is going to use uh, Johnny Damon as a cutoff man, um we may we may be able to to score guys from first easily, so you know I'm looking forward to it just because of of the athleticism and speed that we do have um you know whether I use the right or the left hand to wave somebody in
0: um I'm hoping both hands both arms get really tired yeah so uh we'll we'll see if any of those guys like you say make the make the trip from first to home, so we'll have to look out for that well i'm not I'm not gonna be shy
2: I'm not gonna
0: <laughs> I'm not going to be shy. I'm going to try to try to push the envelope and make things happen for sure. Absolutely, we got a shortened season, so every game's going to be that much more meaningful. So why not take those chances? You know, I th- I think uh, whether you're playing ten games, forty games, 162
2: games, you know, um, like I said earlier, you know, it could always be taken away from you
0: uh, in the in the blink of an eye. So uh, every game's important. And, uh, you know, Ray, I just wanted to, um, you know, ask how you've been doing in the past year. I know that you mentioned when we were taking a quick intermission here that you have been dealing with cancer. First off, you know, so glad to see that you are able to get on the diamonds and, you know, what does it mean to you to, especially having the season at Yale cut short and having baseball taken away, you know, what kind of a point of reflection is that for you and just really appreciating and soaking in all the moments you now have with these players? You know, I think, you 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 realize that that life is fragile
2: that that you know i mean the the type of cancer that I do have um there there's really no cure for it um I will have it for forever now um there's no really doesn't really go into remission it kind of just kind of goes dormant for a while and then it could come back but um I'll be on chemo pills forever um but i think I think I realize just how important baseball is it, to me personally um, because of this, you know, I mean, it, it's always been an outlet for me uh, since I started playing growing up, but, but even more so now to, to be able to be out there, um, whether it's with the Yale guys or my previous uh, summer job with, with Hamden American Legion or, or this new endeavor that I have, um, you know, uh, baseball really is, uh, something that, that I rely on as, as an outlet to, to relieve stress, to kind of keep me, keep me even keel, especially with everything that I've had to endure this last year. Um, but, you know, I mean, I, I'm really fortunate with, uh, People in my life that that uh, that really take care of me, and and uh, uh, you know, without them, I wouldn't be here. That's for sure. You know, so um, it it does go full circle um, between baseball and and my my family and my friends. Um, but uh, there's no place that I'd rather be than than in a dugout in a uniform. Um, you know being part of a baseball program. So, so I, I, I consider myself very very lucky to, to be here, um, and and coaching, you know, at at this level for the summer, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so I'm, I'm ready to go. That's for sure.
1: Yeah. We're lucky to have you here and we're all in your corner and sports can be a great healer. So yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, for both of you any message that you want to send to the Bees fans that may be listening go ahead
2: uh,
3: just hang with us and hopefully in the next week or two we'll have some great news for you
2: so stay tuned All
1: right, anything um,
2: you know I think uh, as Brad said stay tuned I think uh, I think you'll be really happy and excited to to come to the park and and see see the the product that we're going to put on the field every day. Um, I, think you'd, I think you'd be proud
0: to, to be a Beast fan right now. Well, that's tremendous. Uh, we wanted to move on to one final segment. This has been awesome so far. But we want to have the fans get you guys get to know you guys a little bit more. So this one's called Quick Hits. It's presented by Zephyr, which is the official on-field hat of the Futures League. Ray, you're sporting one right now. You guys just got those uh, official hats with the FCBL yeah. logo on the back. They're looking sweet. I love it. Woo. Nice. Woo. It, it, it fits nice. I, I I do like it.
2: You know. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm gonna go with a small or a medium yet, but but I do I do like it for sure. That's, That's awesome. So you guys had that plan. That was perfect, right there. <laughs> know, you guys are pros. That's
0: what I'm saying. I don't know. he, uh, he was able to help us out. But Zephyr, I want to remind you, providing high quality and innovative design since 1993 and. You know, we'll help see if Ray can get a small or a medium, and figure out that hat size before yeah, the season starts. But I'm sure, I'm sure we'll get it in order. Uh, to both of you guys, we're gonna pose these questions. We got a couple <laughs> ones we wanna fire your way. Who has been your favorite baseball teammate or favorite player to coach? Just favorite baseball player that maybe you've had the experience of being alongside over your careers. Uh,
3: that's an easy one for me, Jeff Milks. I played baseball with him in uh, at Middlebury. Still my best friend.
2: Uh, for me uh graduate uh, of yale uh 2017 uh rich slanker um, hard worker on the field um, just a, a tremendous a tremendous person off the field so um you know i I, I pick him, but uh, I could go so many different different ways with that um, you know i have my my uh secret uh me and the other uh coaches have our secret. Mount Rushmore of Yale players. Um, but uh, Rich Schlanker for me right now would be uh, the, the most, uh, just
0: because of, of the type of person he is off the field. And uh, living in Connecticut, you know, there's a big divide between Sox territory and Yankees territory. I don't know if you guys side on either end of the rivalry, but if you guys could both give us your favorite big league team and favorite player, whether it be current or historical. Uh let's see.
3: uh player, I really don't have a favorite player, but uh definitely Chicago White Sox. I built up a lot of relationship with a lot of those guys. You, you got to know them at the low A level, and so then when you see them get in the big leagues, it, it was great to
0: see. so so the other Sox, the White Sox is my favorite team. We'll accept that. We've had two Yankees responses so yeah. far, so we're more than happy to hear White Sox. You're gonna get a third. Um I do you know, it. I it. If, if, well, <laughs> if,
2: if, in my family, you, you didn't have a choice. There was no, there was no choice. Uh, you were a Yankee fan, um, you know. But as I've as I've gotten older, um, you know, I uh, I'm more I'm a baseball fan, not so much a Yankee fan anymore. I'm I'm just a baseball fan, and and what I do now is I I see myself. Um, over my 11 years at Yale, I, I see myself following guys that, that I looked at across the, across the diamond in the other dugout, you know, uh, George Springer, um, uh, Matt Barnes, you know, two local guys from Connecticut, you know, Springer being from New Britain. Um, you know, but then, you know, got to see Aaron Nola close and, and personal one Friday night down at. At Alex Box and, and watching him there was pretty impressive. But, you know, I have a list um, of the guys that, uh, that, I've, that I've coached against that, that have made it to the bigs that, that um, have been pretty, pretty awesome. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm still a Yankee fan, but more of a baseball fan than I am a Yankee fan right now.
0: Well, you mentioned George Springer. Uh, one of my close friends is first cousins with him, and I watched a game that the Sox clinched the division at Fenway against the Astros. George happened to strike out in the seventh with the bases loaded, and in the ninth to end the game. And they weren't they weren't thrilled with my reaction. I was quite happy that the Sox clinched the East, but you know he's a great hometown product, and a lot of Connecticut guys are pulling for him. So yeah, that's yeah. that's awesome to hear. Yeah.
1: Man, i just want to say you put up you teed up that yankee question perfectly by the way <laughs>
0: i know so we're we're three two in terms of the yankees so maybe we got to reach out to some mass guys balance it out a little
1: bit guys any superstitions that you have whether it's in the dugout or in the in the owner's box
2: uh
3: no superstitions for me i've been in this business too long so it's you know I mean, it's not a superstition but it's you become very friendly staring at your radar all day (laughs) so that's that's a big pastime during baseball season I don't
2: miss in the offseason staring at the radar um I'm a I'm a big superstitious guy you know I uh I get dressed the same way um if I can um you know I'll wear I'll wear the same t-shirt underneath I'll wear the same socks um yes I will wash them but uh but they will, you know. If we get if we get hot, and we get on a winning streak. I, I am I am superstitious. So, um, you know, I mean, uh, back in uh, just to to tell you how superstitious I am, back in two thousand nine, I was coaching West Haven High School, um, and we won the Connecticut State Championship. But working in a different school, I'd have to drive to the games, and I'd pick up two of the other coaches on the way. And we would stop at certain places and, and just to get a Diet Coke or, or an Orange Gatorade, you know, just to do it because we did it previously and we won. So we did that for five games as we made our way through the tournament back then.
1: And you won, so it must have worked. It worked.
2: So so you know, I'll I'll do anything for a W.
1: If it ain't broke, don't fix it.
2: Absolutely not.
1: Gentlemen, bubblegum or sunflower seeds, what's your preference when on the field well,
3: definitely seeds like not a big gum guy bubble gum for me
1: Brand, what about brands for each of those I oh de-
2: definitely david's um it could go it could go either way it could go big league chew it could go it could go juicy fruit it could go uh bazooka it, it doesn't matter it doesn't matter
3: um yeah. I'm anti-gum guy because I'm on the operations side of it, too, and I get sick of
2: cleaning (laughs) it up. Well, what happens with you is you usually step in it. Yeah, exactly.
1: All right, last question for you guys. How about a favorite all-time baseball memory from both of you?
3: Being a part of winning the 2005 Sally League Championship and just being a really somewhat part, very small part of the White Sox World Series Championship was pretty cool. And then just... uh, It's not baseball, but it's probably my best sports memory was my uh, middle son was a, uh, he was a freshman benchwarmer on the Newtown High School football team this year. And to be in the stands when they won that game on the last play of the game was, I mean, that was the best sporting moment I've ever been part
0: of. So Goosebumps. That was all over the Connecticut news station. You could not script that any better.
3: Yeah, it was, it was great. That was the, uh, my son, obviously, was a very small part of
2: that. He was a practice squad player as a freshman, but it was, that was special to watch. Um, for me, uh, 2017, winning the Ivy Championship, going out to Corvallis for the regional, um, you know, facing off uh, against the number one team in the country, Oregon State, that year. And I mean, that team was just absolutely loaded. I think, I think that year they had 11 or 12 draft picks. Um, they were, they were just insane, um, played them, played them tight for a couple innings, but, uh, you know, that being going out there and getting to experience that was pretty cool. Um, you mentioned, um, I think Brad mentioned, uh, President Bush 41, um, before, but, um, he was so impressed with, with the way we played. He, he stayed up and watched every game, um, from Corvallis, and uh, he was so impressed that he invited us to his house in in Kennebunk, Maine, um, after we got back. And, and and just going up to to Maine and meeting him, being in his house, um, having a conversation with him with the team, um, you know, it was just awesome, you know. And 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 that's something you know that I think you only get to experience at, at a place like that at Yale, you know, with with the alumni that that they have. It's just, it's different, you know, and I'm sure, you know, Harvard and Princeton, they get to experience it too. Um, you know, just with, with the alumni that they have, but, but that, that was probably, um, my most memorable sports moment.
0: That's going to conclude this interview. That's fantastic to hear Ray and to both of you guys, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, once again, first executive and first coach who have joined back to the futures, And uh, once again, welcome to the New Britain Bees, to the Futures League. We're so excited to see you guys in action. And uh, best of luck with everything. We really hope to see you guys soon out there in New Britain. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for having us.
2: Thanks, guys. Look forward to seeing you this summer. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, guys.
0: So this has been Episode 6 of Back to the Futures, the official podcast of the Futures Collegiate Baseball League. We have new episodes coming out every Monday and Thursday leading up to the start of the 2020 season. Make sure to subscribe to our podcast. We're streaming on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll see everyone soon.